Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. When you become a member, enter Suburban Folk in the podcast that you heard about them. Your host, Greg Rotersheimer, is now a designated financial coach. If your financial situation is causing you stress because of debt, budgeting, or saving for retirement, and anything in between, contact me to discuss how I can coach you to financial success. Email me at greg at suburbanfolk.com or call me at 804-592-1871 for a 15-minute free consultation to get started with your plan. Health, travel, finance, parenting, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. $250 a month into my child's 529 from the month that they start kindergarten, I should be able to pay for 80% of my child's college. Because I don't trust that most people will eat their vegetables. So usually our kind of standard is three servings of vegetables per meal. You take something like a a two by six and you cut it with a circular saw. That's like a superpower. Those middle school years are not as fun, but... At that age, they're still willing to talk to you. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm Greg Rotersheimer, your host. Today's two topics of health and career goals consistently have similar themes whenever they're discussed on the show. One is make sure you have a well-defined end goal in mind. And the other is make sure that you have incremental steps to get to that ultimate goal so that you're not always focused on the end result and can appreciate the journey. My guest is Amy Goober. She has a BS in psychology from Cornell University. She is a COPE certified health coach through the Villanova School of Nursing and has helped over 600 clients in her seven years of coaching. She leads, supervises, and mentors a team of 70 coaches. Amy has moved from bakery founder to stay-at-home mom, seasoned health coach, and now founder of her newest program, Drive Your Life. Drive Your Life is a signature talk, small group coaching program, vibrant Facebook group, and soon-to-be-published book. Helps women get back in the driver's seat of their own lives. Her unique five-part process teaches women how to put themselves on their own to-do list and get into action. Amy speaks on leadership, health and wellness, and personal motivation topics. Thanks, Amy, so much for joining me today. I'm excited to talk about health and just all things improvement in the world of career and exercise. I think there's certainly a connection between the two things. Do you want to go ahead and get us started by giving a little bit about your background and uh, what got you on the path of health coaching as well as your newest venture into the world of career and self-improvement? Sure. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Um, As I told you, this is one of my favorite things to do in the world is to uh, share with people via a podcast. So Thank you for having me. I have what uh, many think is a very interesting story, and it it only seems interesting when you look backwards. So I'll kind of give you a really brief summary, and then we can jump into whatever you want to talk about. So um, I'm 61 now, but uh, I moved to Boston after college and worked in advertising for four years. 
and realized it was very male dominated. It was a long time ago (laughs) and decided that I would start my own cake bakery because, you know, shouldn't every 26 year old (laughs) leave a stable job (laughs) and go open a bakery? So I did that and I can certainly talk about that, but that was a huge leap. I had no bakery experience. I just was, you know, a pretty good cake decorator. That's about it. So I opened a bakery. I did that for seven years. And in the meantime, got married and uh, had my first child. And I really wanted to be home raising my children. So I sold my bakery to two employees. And the bakery is still there, which is amazing. We have two employees that started with me when I started, and they're still there. So they've been there for like 34 years. It's crazy. Uh, So it's home raising my family, which, you know, I think is the greatest, most understated job um, in the world. And then I was trying to lose some weight. So that was 2013. I had struggled with my weight my whole adult life. I was even overweight as a teenager in high school. So I once again was trying to lose weight because that's sort of what I did. And I found this program and I was very skeptical because I felt like I had tried everything. And I was 53 at the time. So as a woman in menopause, it's really, really difficult to lose weight. It's bigger challenge than normal. But anyway, in a month, I lost 10 pounds. I loved the program. And I decided that I would become a coach for that program. Everybody has their own coach. So I sort of like dipped my toe in thinking, you know, this is a great program. I could start talking about it. Uh, Two of my three children were still living at home, one in middle school, one in high school. And that was seven and a half years ago, and I've been coaching ever since. So I pretty quickly learned that people were really looking for health and wellness and weight loss. And, you know, I um, am an entrepreneur. I have been an entrepreneur, so I really jumped in. And within about a year and a half, I was able to make a full-time income working from home, coaching people and helping them and having all this flexibility And so I've been doing that for seven and a half years. And now the split screen is when I turned 60, which was a full year ago, it was last August. At the same time, my youngest child, my daughter left for college and moved out, you know, which she should have. And that was right. And I just said, I'm 60. I have a lot of time and space in my life. I can be a full-time health coach and I can be a health coach and, and what's the and, what do I want to do? And I took some time to think about it, and I realized that I really wanted to help women get back in the driver's seat of their own lives and remind them that they have choices. And so I created this program called Drive Your Life, and it's been just amazing and fulfilling and exciting and scary all at the same time. (laughs) So that's the short summary. From your perspective, is it doable for people that are in the middle of their full-time career and then carve out certain amount of time at night or when kids are away, if they happen to have kids, how how challenging is that compared to, let's say, the full-time gig of kids? Well, I love that question. And to be perfectly transparent, I did not do this when I had young kids. So I have three children. When my kids were young and growing up, that's what I did. I was lucky enough. You know, I had had one business that I sold, you know, I was lucky enough to be a stay at home mom. I had the resources. Uh, so I can't answer it for young children. I can answer it for middle school and high school. Cause that's my experience. But even still, I think that, um, 
time is based on priorities. And I teach this in my group. We just talked about this this week about how everybody has the same 24 hours. And everything we do in life is choices. Now, again, there's a lot of constraints, right? Um, finances and family, there's, there are constraints. I'm not saying we all have the same freedoms, but we have the same time. So I think people can carve things out. Even in my health coaching business, I mentor other health coaches that are absolutely working a full-time job in raising kids. And they just carve out an hour a week. I say to them, one hour a week. Instead of watching TV, can you do that? Yes. And then it grows. They see if they like it and it grows. So my answer is yes, you can do these things. You just have to prioritize your time and you have to be very reasonable with yourself, right? That things are going to take time if you're pulled in a lot of directions. I would hope that it's a comfort for your clients that you have the health coach background because I'll admit I am very skeptical when you read certain entrepreneur advice that says sleep when you're dead or don't be afraid of these crazy hours and things like that. And I think that you could be missing out from a family standpoint, like we are indicating, and it can be a detriment to your health if you're putting up too much stress on yourself and aren't taking care of your body. So I imagine that part of what goes without saying when people are interacting with you is that you're going to keep a pulse on that health aspect and not let it get out of control when somebody's pursuing specific other aspirations or career goals. That you're exactly right. And I think, you know, your health and wellness is your foundation, right? You can't build a house without a good foundation. So you can't even get through your day. We are very big in our, in our um, health and wellness um, and weight loss program. We are not about dieting, but we are really about, you know, how to reduce stress and how to improve sleep, um, how to incorporate movement and then losing the weight and all of those things. So I agree with you. And look, we're all going to have days when we're exhausted, but there's no point in drawing from an empty well. I do also talk to my coaching clients about that. I think that, you know, you have to set up a system where you can feel good every day. Once you've got that, then you can, you know, right? Then you, then you can handle it. But um, taking on too much doesn't benefit anybody. That adage of when everything becomes a priority, nothing's a priority. And <laughs> they probably all fall apart, I would imagine. Yeah, that's great too. I love that. So let's go back into your journey a little bit. I always find the nutrition conversation very interesting because I feel like every single time I dive into it, I'm tend to be more confused than I was maybe when I started, or maybe I shouldn't say confused, but I found a new thing to be afraid of. <laughs> maybe yeah. I, I looked for ways to up the amount of protein I have and I see a cliff bar or something like that. And then I read how much sugar's in it. And then you read all of the inflammation issues that go along with sugar, for example. So I, I tend to feel kind of stuck. How did you first get into the world of health from the nutrition standpoint? And what are your main staples, if you will, that you try to guide people towards? The confused mind does nothing, right? There's just, it's sort of what you just said. There's so much information out there and we have so much information at our fingertips. So it's very easy to research things now. You're not like, sending in a postcard and asking for a catalog. I mean, you've got the information. And I think what happens to a lot of people is, me included, you start Googling something and you see what everybody says. And, and then by the time you're done, you've got nothing. Like you said, 
you hear that you should have more protein and then you see what the protein option is and that has a problem. And then you hear this and he's so I think the key is uh, focus and it doesn't have to be perfect the first time, right? We're looking for solutions that are long-term. So that's my answer to that. But as far as myself goes, you know, I had done every diet in the world to try to lose weight and yet here I was again, right? So something has to click in your mind to say, um, it's not working. If you're like a lifetime member of a certain program and you have to keep going back, something's not working if you have to keep going back to lose weight. So the program that I found was very much based on what you put in your mouth. And I know that's of an interest to you. So it's that whole nutrition versus exercise. But just talking about the nutrition part, weight loss is really at least 80% what you put in your mouth. And then it's 20% is um, exercise, but also genetics. I mean, there's other things, right? So if we're just talking about the what you put in your mouth, for me personally, I needed structure. So the program that I was on and that I coach for is a very structured eating six times a day, nourishing your body with the same amount of protein as carbohydrates. So there is really like a um, an equation to it. I think it's important for people to find something that they feel that they can get behind and that they can try. None of this is, you know, uh, you're not married to it is what I always say. So you know, you do have to try different things. And one thing may not be your solution long term, or may not be your solution forever, or you might circle back to it. Um, But I think it's the what you put in your mouth. Um, People don't realize that equation of the 80-20. So, you know, I'll have people call me and say, you know, I've been working out six times a week, I heard a personal trainer, and I'm not losing weight. Well, that's maybe one, even if it's one hour a day every day, which is a lot, what are you doing the other 23 hours? It's very easy to tip that scale. It's very easy to undo whatever you did in that one hour. Yeah. And I say that I get confused. I probably also have a, a bit of a block that I know what needs to be done, but it, it seems kind of boring at times. For example, I am almost done reading How Not to Diet. I don't know if that's a book that you've would have heard of at all or not. Yeah, that sounds uh, interesting. Every single one of these areas, he talks a lot about fiber. Of course, he's talking about too much sugar, too much salt. And in most cases, he ends with go to that area of the grocery store that they don't have to put labels on it, i.e. fresh produce. <laughs> and that's really where you should start. And heck, even in the last couple of days, when I pull out the frozen vegetables and see how much you can get and how little calories they are when it's vegetables compared to a bag of chips and how little you have and the calories just add up, which also is part of that equation that you're talking about, that uh, it's scary how quickly you can undo an hour's worth of exercise. And that assumes you're doing even that much a day, which of course people really don't do. I, I don't know. Do you find that most people are really resistant to just that very apparent fact that you need to start with fresh produce and and things that are not prepackaged. Yeah. And I think the reason why people veer toward the exercise is because it's got a beginning and an end. You do it. You feel like you're sacrificing or working hard for that hour. And then you're like, done. Hey, I exercised today so I can have that pizza and that beer or ice cream or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I think people like that because it comes in a little package 
you feel like you're really exerting yourself and then you're done. And it, it just takes the pressure off the rest of the day and evening is what I think. Um, but I think as far as, um, yes, I mean, you should be eating, uh, fruits and vegetables and food that doesn't have a label on it. And I totally agree with that. Um, but I also think that for some people, they don't have the time or the wherewithal to prepare every single healthy thing that's going to go in their mouth. And part of the program that we use does use some, um, I'll call them meal replacements, but we have really nutritious way to fuel your body. We call them fuelings um, throughout the day. And I think there's nothing wrong with that if you have a goal in mind, right? If you're using that to be able to lose weight or maintain your weight, but you're also adding in all the healthy things and what you're eating is nutritionally sound, then I think that's okay versus the other option, which is you're at a drive-thru all the time. So, you know, again, I don't, I'm not like a big person of absolutes. I think things vary for different people. Um, but I think it's keeping the goal in mind and making the right choices is so important and not getting overwhelmed by it, like as you described, right? It's very easy to say, it's to have it be like this huge mountain to climb. But I really believe that small changes and small steps in the right direction over time can make a huge difference in overall health. I absolutely believe that. So I don't want people to say, oh my God, I couldn't possibly. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can um, take the stairs instead of the elevator. Yes, you can fold your own laundry. Like, yes, you can when your kid's upstairs and texts you. Yes, you can walk up and talk to them. You know, yes, you can put the grocery cart back where it belongs. I mean, I have a whole list of things people can do to just get going. It's so funny, the push-pull that people do with the excuse of time, right? Because to your point, if you would skip that bad eating choice, you probably saved yourself an hour's worth of exercise or uh, whatever the activity is that you're doing. Uh, Same thing with being able to walk somewhere, whether it's up the stairs or otherwise. I always think of a parking lot, right? How much time does people waste looking for the spot right in front of the store where if you would have just taken the available spot and gotten a few more steps in to get to the store, probably would have been less time. And yeah, you just burned off a little bit more (laughs) calories doing it that way. So it, it is strange how we can sometimes use time as an excuse, especially on the exercise front, not to do something. But it, when it comes to the food part, um, we also can use that as the reason to, to do the bad thing, which as you mentioned, the prepackaged, I, I know is probably part of the problem there. It seems like anything that's just grab and go has all these pitfalls in, in them. I, I'm sure there probably are some healthy options out there, but I'm not sure that they can ever quite compete with and fresh ingredients and being able to put something together at home that you're well aware of what's going into your food. Gosh, restaurants, of course, is going to be a whole other thing to talk about as far as being... We have to deal with what is. If you are working, back to your original comment, if you are working a full-time job and you're raising kids, and especially now where people are you know, home trying to homeschool, it's a whole other subject. But I try to remind people that they can they can make improvements. It might not be perfect. And so the important thing is to do the best you can the most of the time. And you'll see changes. You know, and I just don't want people to think it's an absolute because then they'll get discouraged and they'll just go the other way. And then where are we? Then people are eating all bad things and still not healthy. So 
you know what I mean? Like I, I try very hard to just have them pat themselves on the back and feel good about what they're doing each step along the way and just try to make it as good as they can. And you mentioned improvements. I sometimes tend to feel like people's definition of the goals also can throw them off a little bit. Or in other words, I try to emphasize for myself as well as others, good health is so that I can do the things that I want to do, not necessarily to look a certain way, which I think tends to be a pitfall. And if you do focus maybe too much on the aesthetics of it, then it you may be setting yourself up for even greater of a chance of going back into old habits. Similarly, what do you put in front of folks that should be their goals to measure those improvements? As far as the health coaching goes, uh, we have our clients set their own, we don't even call it a goal weight, but we ask them what they want. So we're very big on the why, the W-H-Y. And I just spoke to two clients yesterday, had the almost identical conversation about the why power versus the willpower, right? So willpower is you, your body or your mind wanting one thing and you say, no, 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 no. You know, the why power is why, which is what you're talking about is why do you want to lose that weight or why do you want to be healthier? Why? And we really focus on that in the very first conversation before somebody decides if they even want to work with me, I talk to them, you know, and I say, where are you at now? Where do you want to be? Where have you been in the past? And why? And why? And I think if people have an image in their mind of what they want, it's a lot easier to get there. So I, I don't, I don't tell people where they should want to be. I want to know where they want to be. And what I've learned is if people have a, a big goal, then we put it into chunks, right? Because a big goal, it's very easy to veer off from that and say, oh, forget, I'll never do that. But if you put it into chunks, that's very helpful. So if someone, I'm making this up, but if someone has 100 pounds to lose and you say you have 100 pounds to lose, that's a lot harder than how about we try to get 10 pounds off? And now they've got 10 pounds off and they feel confident, whatever. But I think that it's important for people to set their own goals, but I also think you have to make it so that they're achievable, you know, and just like shifting in the split screen um, in the Drive Your Life program, I help them create, well, they create the focus and then I help them break it into manageable goals so that they keep going, right? Because... I quote Sir Isaac Newton, who said, um, an object in motion stays in motion. And I really believe that once people get going and feel good about what they're doing, they'll keep going. And I think there's a lot of parallels in finance as well, for example, is really where I've been spending a lot of my focus. But very similarly, that if you have a lot of debt, if you look at that as a whole debt, rather than maybe there's a car payment, maybe there's a credit card payment and you go one after the other, the likelihood of you getting discouraged is probably much, much higher. And also to your point that if you don't own the goal, if somebody's just telling you what you should be accomplishing, you don't feel ownership of it. I mean, that sounds very obvious to say, but I definitely have seen instances in the work world is probably the best example where you see people being told what to do and how to do it as compared to allowing them to create their own methods. In my experience, somebody being able to 
own the process does a lot better job and is motivated to keep improving and so on. So I think that definitely is point well taken and you can see it in every single aspect, I would think of life for people to continue to stay motivated. Really quickly, you were talking about the current scenario of people dealing with kids at home and everything else that is going on with lockdown. I know I've read a lot of stories of people really struggling to maintain from a health standpoint. What are you seeing in your communications with folks as far as people staying on the wagon and continuing with what they need to do? Initially, I think, you know, going back from March, April, May, because right now we're in the middle of September, you know, I think initially people were just shell-shocked and because they were stuck at home. I had so many people say, I'm drinking so much more wine than I ever drank. I'm like, hey, you know what? Uh, have at it, you know? <laughs> so it's like, whatever. I'm like a numbing agent. I'm just, I'm sort of saying it tongue in cheek, right? I'm kidding. But um, so I think in the beginning, it was really challenging and people didn't know how long this was going to last. And what I really believe is that the uncertainty creates greater fear. Right. If someone March 6th or 10th had said to us, this is going to be going on for X number of months, you would like not be happy, but you'd settle into it. But that unknown fueled a lot of people's fear, which then can lead to using food and drink as a solution, a temporary solution. So that's the first part. And now I think people know that this could be going on. And we now we are out we're at restaurants, you know, we're doing to a point, but we're really not to where we want to be. So now I feel people reaching out to me and they want to get back and they want to lose the weight they gained. And you know what I mean? I, I see it's a bad situation. We know that. But I see a little brightening, right? I, I personally see people like, you know, how can, I, how can I get back to where I was? How can I fix it? So uh, that's, that's what I'm seeing. But I do think for these moms at home that are trying to work and not only just raise their kids, but now they're like the homeschooler. Forget it. They they've lost any time they did have to make nutritious meals, right? I mean, right? I mean, that's like down the drain. So I think it's hugely challenging. Um, and a lot of these kids are not at school for lunch anymore. You know, there's more meals to prepare, and the husbands are home. I mean, I had a point where I had six adults living and it full time in my house. My grocery bill more than doubled, and even if I didn't make these adults lunch. They had to find breakfast and lunch and we tried to make dinner. So I think it can be challenging. My experience was very much what you just described, maybe a little bit delayed. I was sharing in real time on the show, my journey for a marathon that was right when everything started. It was in the middle of March and mine got canceled and everything else got canceled. So I was feeling pretty down about that. But for at least a certain period of time, I was keeping up with my overall training program, hoping, praying, maybe there would be a marathon that would pop up that somehow wasn't going to get canceled. Of course, that did not happen. <laughs> uh, everything got canceled. Heck, I think even the rescheduled Boston Marathon, if I'm not mistaken, probably has been since canceled and who knows what it's going to look like even into next spring at this point. But yep, then I had some downtime there and you don't have the amount of time and admittedly for myself was sad that I did all this training and then didn't get to actually, you know, try to have a Boston qualifier. Uh, but once I eventually got over that, then like you said, you, you figure out your new schedule and that you, you've got to pick back up with your health and everything that's going on. And I don't know, how do you feel about 
people using the current pandemic as I want to say a wake up call, but that's probably a little too dramatic. But um, for example, I've picked up some vitamin D uh, like supplements to help my immune system, things like that. Heck, I think I just read that Dr. Fauci was doing the same. So I was like, all right, I, I, I found one that, you know, maybe is something that's working. But are you hearing anything like that, that people maybe are using the current scenario and if they've neglected their health up until this point, this is the thing that's really getting them to address it now? The in- initial, who knows how long this is going to go, people just put it all on the back burner. But now this is going right? I mean, it's September and we just don't know if this there's a resolution or an end in sight. So yeah, I do think people are coming back to the health part of it. And I think that I'm encouraging people to use this as a time to uh, make strides. You know, again, people are feeling bad overall. They're feeling sorry for themselves. They're missing out on things galore, losing jobs. I mean, big, bad stuff, right? So I'm a firm believer in the things you can control and the things you can't control, right? So there's a lot right now that we, not you or I, and not anybody can control. So I'm encouraging people to figure out what they can control so that's a positive that they can feel good about. Call somebody you haven't spoken to, right? Write somebody a note. What are the things you can do to make yourself and others feel good? And one of them is your own health. Um, Just going back to what you said. So I'm really trying to encourage people to do what makes them feel good and better about themselves. And for some people, it's walking. Um, In my Facebook group, I'm about to launch a water challenge. You know, what are things we can do to improve our own lives and our health? And so I'm right there with you. I think yet again, we're hitting some parallels between people's health and what they can do for themselves and career. Of course, a lot of people have either been furloughed or lost their jobs, depending on the industry that they're in and are figuring out some of their next steps, which goes back to that same concept of being able to control what you can control. Now, I do think to some extent, for those that have not spent their life as a business owner or entrepreneur, they may look at it devoid of the amount of work to become successful. But there is the controlling your destiny part of it that I think is very, very attractive to, I'd say, nearly everybody. What does that conversation look like for people that you are interacting with on the career coaching side? And are there more people that are starting to also try to control their own destiny from that side? Maybe they've lost a job in the corporate world and they said, you know what, (laughs) if I'm going to lose my job anyway, maybe I'll gamble on something that I really want to do? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, So uh, what I find with um, the Drive Your Life program is really about um, helping the people in it focus on one thing in their lives that they want to change. And it's a process, right? It's it's a system. So it really, I believe it or not, works for many different things. So when people come in, they, they pick what the thing is, right? And so some of them are choosing big things. I would call career big, right? That's big. Career, maybe a love relationship, children, that's big. Um, And then some of them are like, I want to get back to running. Very important, but not as big. So back to what you were saying, probably a third were career. And some were the scenario you described where they had been laid off and they had to figure out what they were going to do. One was 
I got this career I've had for decades. Now I want, what do I want to do? What's going to be more? And, you know, because they're sort of saying, uh, what about me? And that's the premise. So I'm seeing both. And I just spoke with somebody today that had been laid off from a great job and she's like sort of recreating herself. She went to go and take some courses and she's going to, you know, come along with us to, to help with the focus and the guidance. I think that, um, two things. One is you have to be doing, look, what's the, what's the fantasy is you're doing something you love and you're earning great money at it. Right. I mean, that, that's, that's really, that's the goal. So how can you get as close to that as possible? And what some people realize is they may not have the fantasy career, but they can start, if they've been laid off, they can start doing something part-time, earning some money and spending the other time researching and figuring out what they want to do. So I think that's, this is a great time for that. Um, but I think people are absolutely questioning their career. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And we have to deal with what is, you know, what is the current conditions in your life, in your world, in your bank account, right? And deal, go from there. But there's lots of options out there. And I think that I, I don't necessarily consider this an upside. Many people do. Um, the fact that you can work from home and be connected to people more than you were before can be an upside for people who are trying to shift careers. That real why I said I don't think it's a positive because I'm all about human connection and interaction, and so it pains me to see that people are only interacting in this way. But you know, take lemons and make lemonade. How about that? You can literally uh, have a job in California now if you live in New Hampshire. I mean, you probably can. Point well taken as far as being connected, but maybe not quite connected. I've been working on my financial coaching and getting the word out in my area. And for my day job, for the last three, four years, it's been with a company that is headquartered outside of where I live. And I've been working remotely. And I've just now started to realize how I'm haven't been out in my local community because my day to day job hasn't required it. I haven't gone into an office where people in my local community are at. And my kids are just now getting to the age where they have activities and things like that, where you're meeting other people. So as I'm branching out, I'm like, wow, I got a lot of people that I can be meeting here. So I, I, I do think that that is a factor for people to be aware of that. Yes, the opportunities may be greater because you can do remote work. And that means that you have more potential clients available to you, depending on what the service or, or product you're trying to do. But you got to know yourself and whether or not that's going to be fulfilling. Because I, I know there's absolutely people that would probably go stir crazy, <laughs> even looking at people in Zoom uh, all day long, rather than actually getting to, to meet them face to face and get some of those connections. How much do you consider somebody's financial situation uh, and how you would advise them as far as what their goals are? For example, is there somebody that's, let's say, got crazy amount of debt and it might not be the, the right time for them to jump into some other activity that, that could put them in a worse situation? How, how does that fall into the overall conversation? And I will just say, like, as a sideline, you were before um, comparing sort of the health and wellness weight loss to the finances. And I totally agree with you. I think there there's a lot of parallels there in terms of what you can control and can't control and big goals and small goals. And 
Um, you know, so I, I agree with you there. I just wanted to point that out. I think for this question, uh, this is where I, people have to tell you, right? You, you have to trust what they say. And I would never um, urge somebody to go in a direction that wasn't going to be good health-wise and certainly wasn't going to be good in the financial aspect because people have to live. People need money to live. They need to have a place to live. They need to put food on the table. They need to provide, even if it's just for themselves. So I don't get overly involved in that. By the time people come to me and they're focusing on something, it's typically not money itself. It might be, like, as I said, someone who lost their job and wanted to get back in the workforce. So I'm cautious about that because, you know, that foundation of health is the same as the foundation of finance. And if you don't have that, you can't move forward and you can get into worse condition. It's very similar. Exactly. The longer we talk about it, the more similar it is. So, uh, yeah, I think people have to have goals, but it's got to be reasonable and you have to meet them where they are and they have to be realistic. Part of what I do in the coaching program is uh, people sort of taking a look at what they've done in their lives and where they're at and what do they carry with them every day that can help them move forward. You know, I think that's so important too. that sort of where are you at, taking a really good snapshot and being honest of where you're at, but also like, what do you have inside that you can bring with you? And women in particular, I find, don't often pat themselves on the back, don't often acknowledge all that they've done. And I have them doing a lot of really interesting looking back and saying, what did I do? And what does that really mean that I did that? Because we forget, like we forgot. I had one woman in my uh, Drive Your Life program who wanted to try and start something new and she was so uncertain. And I said, well, let's look back. Like, what are some of the things you've done? Well, we're going back like decades. She's like, oh my God, I was the president of the PTA, the PTO. I ran that whole elementary school. Like she had forgotten that. And I said, well, what did it take for you to do that? Oh, my, can you imagine? So that's what people really need today, I feel, is that remembering what you've already got inside and moving forward with it. Yeah, definitely. Well, let me ask another question in you guiding people to what they want to be doing, because I got to imagine you probably interact with folks that know they're looking to do something different, have a general idea, but maybe haven't fully fleshed it out. And something that I have definitely talked about before on the show when talking about side gigs or next career steps, things like that is you probably need to be a little bit careful with, is it something that everybody wants to do? I, I use podcasting as a joke. You go on to a podcasting site and everybody says, well, who doesn't have a podcast at this point, which means there's a lot out there and so on. And so if you're trying to build an audience or if you're even trying to get paid for it, you got a lot of competition. And there's also, I think, certain career folks that'll say, find the thing that people need, but people, the general population isn't necessarily offering or isn't wanting to do. So continuing my example, and then curious if you kind of go through the same iterations would be for podcasting. A lot of people like doing this part of it, having the conversations, they tend to have their eyes glaze over when it comes to the editing or some of the other pieces. So for myself, for example, I actually kind of like the editing. So Hey, 
Do you have a podcast? Great. Let's talk about how I can help you get rid of the part that you don't want to have to do as its own business rather than just large scale podcasting itself. So do you have those kinds of fact finding sessions and figuring out a particular piece that that might be part of somebody's passion, but it needs to be more well-defined into something that would ultimately be sustainable? Yes. Um, and we just had this example uh, with somebody who was deciding how to get back into the workforce after having been laid off. And she was just spinning. You know, she just was like, well, there's this and there's that and that, this and that. And I said, okay, let's just focus on, you know, the goal. And I very good on focusing them. And then I said, you know, let's talk about or make a list of what are the things you liked about the jobs, you, the last three jobs, and what are the things you didn't like? And now we just have to weave them. Right now, you might not get it all right. And the ironic thing that ha I have to just say is this has just happened, which is unbelievable. One of the things she hated about the previous job was a huge, long commute, like ridiculous, um, ridiculous commute. And ironically, during this whole process, she uh, came upon a job, which she just messaged uh, that she took, uh, which is exciting. But it was like, literally, she said, I could crawl there from my house. And it's managing an office. So I'm not saying like she's babysitting for someone and there's lots of houses. So she's managing an office and it just so happens to be around the corner from her. I said, okay, well, there you go. So maybe it's not perfect in these three areas, but if it checks off these three boxes, are those the most important boxes? Oh my God. Yeah, that's, there you go. So I, I think we can't have it all, but we certainly can prioritize what we want. And I think it's really important to do what you just said, which is let's figure out what you what are the things you do like? What are the things you don't like? And can you, if you're going entrepreneurial, which is sort of where you're going with this, what are the things you can hire someone to do? I would imagine that prioritization probably even makes sense going into a job interview in and of itself. For example, I find that people stop at just the salary number. And I, I know going back to the financial part of it, I really encourage people to look at the total benefit package. Now, that's, of course, a little different than what you want to do and so on. But something like a commute is a good example or what kind of work-life balance. Now, that can be a little hard to figure out in an interview, admittedly, because I, I sometimes joke and say any interview I go into where they say we work hard and play hard, that just means we work hard. <laughs> like I, I, I don't Any company that I've been aware of that says that, anybody that I've known that have worked at those places usually are like, yeah. they want, you know, they, they put the ping pong table in cause they don't want you to ever leave <laughs> and then right, go right. home or anything like that. But again, it, that does really make sense uh, to look at maybe some of the other intangibles. So if you're in a bad situation, then at least maybe that next step is better. gives you some breathing room, allows you to reevaluate and, and then figure out what you're doing from there. And actually speaking of reevaluate, what do you feel like that looks like for someone? I actually just had a conversation as an example that I think it is important to assess what your current goals and interests are and do it regularly because they can change. My joke is you would have asked me in college if money was not an issue, what would I do? I would have said I would have been in a rock band and touring all over the world. Now I kind of look at what I understand the inside track to be and say, gosh, what a what a way to take something that's super fun and make it a big headache <laughs> and have a lot of other things that I'd like to do. So what is your recommendations for people to not only do that initial self-assessment, but making sure that 
the steps they are taking still align with what their goals are. While I think it is good to assess where you're at, I don't think it's good to spend so much time figuring out where you're at all the time that you're not actually doing anything. I don't think people should launch into action. And even my five-week program, they don't, they don't get started till week five. So the first four weeks are a series of what I think are the foundational steps. So when they do take action, it's in the right direction at the right time, you know, and all that. So I'm not saying that I just launch them. So there are steps leading up to it. But um, I think it's really important to know where you're at. It's important to know what you have inside. It's important to know what you want and how you're going to get there. I agree with all that. And I always tell them that you're going to find course corrections. You know, if you wait until you know exactly what steps you're going to take in what order, you'll never get going because you'll be like, I'm not really sure, you know, and you'll never be sure because I think the key to so much of life is being open to what comes in your path, open to the possibilities, open to opportunities. I mean, I really believe uh, there's opportunity everywhere. And some people see it and grab it and some people walk right by and some people are too afraid to get it and, you know, whatever. So I think that it's important to know where you're at. It's important to know what you like and don't like or, or liked and did not like in the past and then, then, then get going and then reevaluate as you go. But if you're going to spend a lot of time, you know, and I'm all about self-reflection, so don't get me wrong, but I think that sometimes people just overanalyze everything and they're really not getting anywhere. So definitely check in with yourself, but you'll know. You don't need to do a big check-in. Like, you'll know. You know how you feel. You know in your stomach, if every day you go to work, your stomach's like, that's probably not good, you know? And you know if you get up in the morning and like, at least for me with what I'm doing now, like, I can't, you know, I just can't get fast enough to the computer to see like what's going on and who can I reach out to. Again, that's something new, so... But so, yeah, I, th- I think it is important to know where you're at. I think it's important to evaluate. And then I think it's important to go. Taking that even a step further, what about making sure people don't quit too soon in whatever the activity is of like, oh, it's starting to become a grind or taking too long. I mean, you read a lot that half the battle is showing up and doing the work and being consistent to get over the hump. What does that look like as far as when people need to be pushed to keep going in the direction that they've started before they see success. There's a great cartoon, which I wish I could just pull it up and show you. And you might know it or you might not, but it's like a a guy with a pickaxe and he's trying to get to the gold. And he is like, he's, here's the thing. And he turns around and the gold is like right here, right next to it. You know, it's this far apart. So um, I think it is challenging to know when to turn the corner, turn back, redirect, Uh, But again, I think we have this inner guidance system and I think you have to give things a chance, right? It's, it's only reasonable um, because you never know what's around the next corner. So if you have that attitude of like, you know, I wonder what's next. That's the key, right? So there isn't a rule of thumb. I think it's more about, you know, being reasonable, allowing that you're in your job this long, that you've made this much of an impact that you maybe, um, have this many people that know what you're about before you just jump ship. And I think generationally um, in the era that I was working in the 1980s, when I was, that was the only time I really worked in a company, people very often stayed. You know, my husband's been at his job 34 years. Like, can you imagine? Like you probably can't even imagine that, but I think the generation now they're a year, they're a year, they're a year, they're a year. So it's a little more accepted 
but it's just a different philosophy. And I think you can make a greater impact sometimes if you give it longer, because you don't know what opportunity might come about. And then if you, let's say you tell yourself every day for two months, I'm unhappy. Every single day, this is not what I want to be doing, or I'm not earning enough money, or I hate my boss or whatever. Okay, you know, then time to call, time to call it. But what I've seen a lot, even with the younger people, is sometimes when a lot of people are leaving a company, I've seen it many times, and you just stick it out, you you really benefit. And I will actually raise my hand and say I've been on both sides of that. I've been the one to jump ship a little early, and then I keep in touch with people, and the dust has settled for whatever the shakeup was or whatever I thought was the reason to go, and, and they found themselves in a better place. Now, I've seen it the opposite way as well, <laughs> uh, where it, it was the right time to make a move, but then also, again, sticking it out and seeing what's going to happen. I, I wonder if people are starting to get even more skittish with that because of what we were talking about earlier, that people are saying, wow, I need to start a new career, or I thought I was playing it safe and sticking it out and just to be thrown to the curb for everything. And you don't want to spend too much time in a position like that just to realize it was wasted on something that you didn't really feel like you wanted to do. So there is definitely a balance probably I would think to be had, but also you can't keep jumping from one thing to the other without at least giving it a chance to to work out or make it your own, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And just to add, not to interrupt you, but just to add is like, we don't have a crystal ball, right? We don't know if you stuck it out at that job and that company folded, you know, we don't know. So that's why you have to really use that inner guidance system. You have to be logical, right? You have to be reasonable. And then you have to use your inner guidance system because there's no way of knowing. You could leave a company and it could go public and you could have missed out on that. Or you could leave a company and it could go under and you'd be like, ah, my timing was perfect. We, You don't have a crystal ball. And so again, that's what sometimes causes people not to move forward, right? Is that sort of like, they feel like, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. This is a perfect example of what's going on in the world today. So I think it's just about um, believing in yourself, finding other people that believe in you, being around people that believe in you, which we haven't even covered, surrounding yourself with a good support system, eliminating the not so supportive ones, which is hard to do, and really listening to yourself, but being reasonable and not being afraid of staying and not being afraid of going. Let's continue that theme. So we've talked about eliminating self-doubt as a barrier, having a good support network, I think is what you're describing as far as the people around you. What else are major barriers that you find people run into for achieving their goals? So we talked about self-doubt, right? And not having a good support system. And then I think it's resources. So one of the things that I um, try to teach my clients is you have resources you don't even know you have, right? And so first I have them look inside, what do they have, right? What are they carrying around with them all day, every day that they already have that's amazing? So that's trying to help that self-doubt part. But I also asked them about the resources. So here's just an example. It's just a little example of resources. So when I was working in advertising, I worked my way up. I got to a certain point, And then I decided, oh, this isn't really for me. And I had been cake decorating. So I had been taking classes and teaching classes and bringing the cakes into the agency because I lived alone. And everyone saw the cake, you know. 
And so everyone's like, you should open a bakery, right? Don't you think of how many people you've said you should this for like an entrepreneur thing. And the person doesn't do it because the person's like, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. But um, I was 26 and I thought that sounded like a great idea. So, but I went home and I said, what do I have? Do I have inside me and outside of me what it's going to take to accomplish this, right? So I looked at my own um, traits that I thought I had. And then I had to look at the resources. Did I have the finances to do that? Or, you know, could I get a loan to do that? But the real resources I had, which I didn't even think of, was I was working at an ad agency. So when that whole thing sort of started buzzing around, um, I had a copywriter who's like, oh, my God, I'm going to name you. You've got to call this the icing on the cake. Right. I had a copywriter name the business. I had an art director say, what about this for a logo? And it was like pink icing. You know, it just so happened that around me, I had the resources that I don't know if I ever would have really thought of if I hadn't been open to it and looked at it. So back to maybe, you know, your, your, anybody, um, what are your resources that you have around you? And, and look, who do you know? Who do they know? Who can you talk to? Who can you reach out to? Who can give you advice? Who can tell you about themselves? Who needs what you have? Who can direct you to somebody? You know, I have people referring people to me all the time and it's, I'm not necessarily asking them, but they're doing what I just was describing. They're trying to like uh, matchmake people and situations. So I think that's a key, key thing is what are your resources both internally and available to you and open your eyes to what you have. Your last point is exactly where my mind went that very closely related to figuring out what your resources are is networking. And even if you don't think it's part of your current circle, one of my favorite jokes, what do we all like to talk about the most? Ourselves. So if you can find somebody that is already in the world that you're looking to get into, more often than not, they will be happy to tell you about their journey and how they got to where they are. And then as you mentioned, matchmaking or connecting you with a missing resource. So I can't advocate enough for people to continue to network, continue to state what you are trying to accomplish. And then even for someone like me as well, that is not a natural salesman at all, it makes what feels salesy a little more natural because you're really just talking about what you're looking to do. You're not necessarily getting into that hard sell mode, <laughs> depending on where, where you're at or so on. At least that's how I feel about it. Of You just make sure people know. And then a lot of times it, it'll come back to you with people that are looking for what you're trying to offer or um, again, can put out other opportunities that you may have otherwise not known were available. Our approach is um, especially in health and wellness and weight loss, right? We're not going to say, oh, you probably need to lose weight. You know, we would never say that, right? But so what we say is, um, do you know, of, if you know of anyone who's looking for better health, if you know of anyone who's looking for weight loss, if you know of anyone. So that's a great phrase, if you know of anyone, right? So now this is a perfect example, because here we are. How did I get here? I said to a man that I greatly respect, whose podcast I was on, I said to him, do you know of anybody who might be looking for a podcast guest like me? right? Because this man already knew me. I was a guest. So this is a perfect circle of life because it's exactly what we're suggesting. 
And it works because here we are. That's right. Shout out to, to Darian. I, I'll say it, Dr. D, Social Network, actually was just on his show <laughs> uh, this past week. So Darian Parker, <laughs> the man. So, <laughs> so you know what? Don't be afraid to, to try to make those connections and reach out to people because you really don't know who knows who, who everybody else knows. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well, Amy, I appreciate you accepting my invite to come on to the show today. Is there anything else that we missed? And if not, definitely give your contact info where people can find you and uh, any events or promotions you might want to let people know about. My name is Amy Goober, and I'm sure it's going to be written somewhere. So um, that is how you can find me on Facebook. That is how you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my program is Drive Your Life. So even on Instagram, it's amygoober.driveyourlife. And uh, we have a fantastic Facebook group called Drive Your Life. And um, we're coming up with a whole Drive Your Life Healthy uh, angle, um, a subset. And so we're going to do free water challenges and all kinds of health things because a lot of people really are looking for that. And I, I've got that. <laughs> so um, there's that. And um, I run my small group coaching program all the time. Um, we're starting one the end of September, but that's very soon for this. So um, I'm sure they'll be running. So I would love, love, love to hear from people. Uh, shout out on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and uh, just go from there. Perfect. Well, and as you mentioned, of course, we will put all of your information into the show notes so people can easily find you. And Amy, again, I appreciate you being on the show and in the spirit of networking, we'll be in touch. Yay. My great pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly episodes, please hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to help us even further, visit SuburbanFolk.com and you'll find a donate button where all the money goes back into the show for you. Thanks for listening.